Do you have to pay extra for your green bin to be emptied? I don't think it, so. Is it all included? As far as I know, we've got a grey one, which is normal shite, brown one, which is recycling, and a green one, which is garden. And they're just, they go mm. out on different days. And I think the garden right. might only be every couple of weeks or something, though. I don't think it's a regular. Anyway, not my department. Yeah. You'll have to speak to Sarah. Well, we might have to do that. Yeah, yeah. no, get her on. She could do the bin part of it. Easy. <laughs> <laughs> Just we're just tidying up uh, a few loose ends. Okay. Like, talk to you about your bin. <laughs> Actually, on the subject of bins, though, did you mention the racket club bin with the opening lid? When you oh talk- no, I didn't. Well, actually, the funniest thing about this racket club bin is that a while back Lucy bought this automatic bin, and you just walk towards it, and the lid comes up. But it's obviously it's battery operated, and the batteries <laughs> ran out, and Frenchie couldn't be couldn't get any of these these ones on the day and the amount of people who just stood there looking at this bin go well it hasn't opened i'm not fucking putting anything in there and just walk away yeah i just stood and stared at it yeah. at length and Andy rather said out. it didn't like him <laughs> he <laughs> I, wanted to I touched i touched it a bit hopefully yeah in the hope that just it a prod, responded yeah. that it, it just remained dead so i backed off and now the batteries are in, and so. it's just opening whenever it wants, whenever anyone walks anywhere near <laughs> it. So that's my bin work. Shall we start? Yep. Sorry, well, well, we haven't we started? Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little bit. No, it'll be fine, yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole Lange Pant thing next time I put my University of New Hampshire Lange Pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 100 Get of in. the Corona Diaries. Century. We've only gone and bloody done it. I know. I never thought we'd get past 15. You should both be raising your bat to the pavilion. That's the tradition when you score a century. Raise that, your, that's a good point, actually. You raise we your bat be to ra- the pavilion. Where's your bat? You've got a bat. You've got a cricket. Of all the people who have had a cricket bat. Yeah. I don't know what I did with it. Oh. There'll be something kicking about. I'll raise it later. Yeah. Raise your bat later. Yes. <laughs> Just go out and go out onto the green and raise your bat. Yeah. <laughs> at eleven o'clock at night. And uh, I've tried. Nobody responds. It is quite a momentous moment. Not least because of our guest, Anton. Well, yes, and I'm just coming round mm. to our guest, and you've heard our guest mm. already. In fact, you might have heard him, depending on how this is edited, you might have heard him regale a bin story already. <laughs> Mm. You, we might actually open with a random bin story before the credits and everything. It's not going to get any better than that. Is it? It's not going to. No, that could be <laughs> it now. You might have had the best five yeah. minutes of this podcast already. Yeah. Don't um, be so but, sure. Don't be so No. Well, we are over the moon to have with us. Um, I mean, let's face it, as described by the band, the sixth member of the band. Absolutely. Mike Hunter with us. Thank you. What, a, what an intro. What's it's not bad, is it? it? No, it's a really nice intro, yeah. No, it's a great honour. I never thought it would ever happen. 
No, no, no. it is a great honour. Because you are a bit uh, reclusive, aren't you, Mike? Well, a bit, but it, but it's not... Um... That's for other people to say. Yes, yeah, he is. Exactly. There yes, we are. Yes, Sorry, you were saying. Can you ask that question? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I suppose a bit, but but only by standards that people have now where every single person puts their dinner on social media and does everything and, like yourselves, people have podcasts. And compared to that, I am like a complete hermit. But hmm. um, anyone who's ever bumped into me and asked me ever a question or anything, it's not like I run off. I'm happy to chat about things. I just don't like he to. He just punches them. Offer it up. I don't punch it. I'm not. I'm no Will Smith. <laughs> <laughs> no Will Smith. So, so compared to no. sort of social media whores like myself and H, you, exactly, you're, you're, yes. you're relatively reclusive. Yeah, Is that how we do it? Absolutely. Yeah, I am a hermit compared to that. I think that's. I think that's a perfect. I think that's a perfect way of putting it. Obviously, we'd like to chat about the new album. Uh, and and hope that you're um, okay to chat about that. But before we start, what's your earliest memory of of you two meeting? Of of me he, meeting H. Um, yeah, I can tell you yeah. exactly when that was then. Because although, well, actually, meeting would be April 1993 when they came to Bar Street to do Brave. And I uh, just to put some context at the time, I was a T boy at Bar Street, an assistant engineer, tape op whatever you want to call them back then. And um, they were booked in. They'd just been to Marowat in France, and they were booked in for like three months solid to finish the recordings. Um, and I hadn't worked with any of them before, but the studio manager, Paul Lewis, was a former tour manager, was very you know well-known to the band, obviously. And so I generally worked in Studio One, which was the SSL room, and that's where they were booked in. And... Um, the thing I remember was, and this isn't just saying this because we're on this podcast. I'm sure I've told him before, anyway. But it, um, I was never a fan. <laughs> I was never a big fan of Marillion, um, but not because I didn't think they were any good. But I just was never. It wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but I was obviously very aware of them because of the big hits and things. And mm. pub I drank in on the jukebox, you would hear, you know, lavender or whatever. You, the, the, the whoppers would be on there. But I really did like the Europeans because me and my friends saw them on the tube and we thought they were great and we got the records and, you know, we got the two proper studio albums and that funny live album you got free with one of them, which I'm sure he remembers. Um, so, yeah, I, so I was quite excited about meeting him because because uh, of the Europeans connection, whereas the Merlin thing was a bit sort not not in a not in horrible, not being horrible. It's just that it wasn't... It wasn't my cup of tea, you know. So, um, but we all got on when everyone. Well, say we all got on. Every, everyone said Ian wasn't there. I think Ian had gone back to Florida after Marowat, so I, I didn't meet Ian for a, a good couple of months. But yeah, that's how I, that's the first meeting of of um, of of me and the band and with with H. Uh, he was doing a year out for marital purposes. Yes, that's right. Yes, he was. Yeah. I do remember it well. I remember that session very well. It was a, it was an amazing session to do. It was dead. It was a dead interesting thing. I really liked working with Dave. We got on well. I felt like we got on well. Um, there were it was always like an interesting session, as in as a tape op. Sometimes, like there were, you know, there's that story, isn't there, of um, Ringo Starr learning to play chess while they were making Sergeant Pepper because there was so much in betweenness <laughs> in between the work, you know, and. There was a similar thing 
working on on that because it was quite drawn out. I think that's fair to say. The recording there was always stuff going on, but um, so some days I'd be very active. But Dave is like I am now. I, I probably just picked it up from him. Very hands on himself. So a lot of the stuff you would do for other engineers, like patching things in and sorting things out. He was so used to doing it himself anyway. He would he would take care of that, and you'd just be sat there. I read several tremendous novels while we were while we were making that record because because he didn't want me to do that much. So I'd 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 get through Catch Twenty Two, and then he'd ask me to patch something in two weeks later. Do you know what I mean? Then I went on to God knows, it's a tremendous novel. You should everyone should read that. Um, and but but what you would get is you would get a day where he'd go, Mike. Oh, I shouldn't do the accent, surely, because it's terribly racist. Oh, it, it's not the first time it's been tried. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, no, <laughs> tremendously Mike. racist move. Um, no, but he'd say, he'd say oh, like, um, so. Mike, I need two actresses. And you go, all right, give us a couple of that. And I just want, you know, Liverpool's like, you just wander around and someone, someone yeah, yeah, look over there. So we found the two actresses who did the argument scene for Runaway. and things. So things like that would pop up. That we're, yeah. we're always quite curious, you know. So, yeah, that's that's my memory of that. We needed an old lady as well. At yeah, we need an old lady, Doreen, God rest her. Well, I mean, I'm saying God rest her. She might still be, for all I know, I mean, she would be about 110, but she might still be going. But, yeah, she was the cleaner at party, wasn't she? Everyone sort of got on there, didn't they, really, when you think about it, with Kathy with the Japanese whispers and... And then, uh, do you remember the oh, free me yeah. bit in Mad? We we just basically, anyone who was mm. anywhere near us got gathered around the mics to do that, well, free me, the big gang thing. Yeah. So it was that kind of record. Mm. It was fun. It was really good fun. Mm. I dragged the Ellen Pipe player out yeah, of course. the shop doorway. Who Dave knew, which is weird, wasn't it? Didn't he know Did him? Dave know him? <laughs> I'm sure he knew him. I, right. Honestly, you'd have to check, double check this with Dave, but I'm sure... He was a busker. What well, he was busking in Liverpool, wasn't he? The Ellen Pipe player. We got him in, and I'm yeah. sure Dave said, oh, it's, "What's his name?" It's Terry from around the block. You know, he, I'm sure he knew. Him. <laughs> I'm sure I've done it again, haven't I? I've lapsed into the racist. Um, but yeah, so I don't think he's racist if it's Irish. I think it's an exception. Oh, no, it, 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 defi- that- it definitely is. It definitely. I'm not. I'm not trying to get out of it. I just hope that in the on a personal level, he wouldn't mind. Of course, he wouldn't. No. Was that the first time you met Dave as well? Then. So it was it wasn't just the band; it was the band and Dave. Yeah, I was I was vaguely aware of his stuff because when you're a sort of, you know, tape op engineer producer, you sort of know about, you know, names come up with someone's made a record that you like and stuff. I think he'd done, um, I think he'd worked on that House of Love Fontana album, you know, the one with the butterfly on. Yeah, yeah. Which is a really good record. I think he'd done something on that, um, and mm. he'd done loads of stuff with Trevor on. Whatever. But um and he'd done Mil- a Milltown, Milltown Brothers. Milltown Brothers album as well. He'd done but, the um, Apple Green song, that's what turned me on to him. But I remember I rem- and this is sound it feels like I've just come onto this thing because I never talk and now I'm about to start slagging people off. But I remember thinking, you know, the beginning of the beginning of King. Well, the combination the beginning of King and the beginning of Gaspacho, the sort of samples. I remember thinking, mm. you've done that already on the Beatles and the Stones by um by the House of Love. If you listen to the House of Love, mm. the Beatles and the Stones, the intro, and tell me it doesn't remind you of like the intro of King. Had <gasps> he done that already? But well, I don't know. I don't know oh. whether he. I don't even know if he's conscious of it or whether it was just a thing that you would do. And it feels very natural thing to do. 
But I remember afterwards yeah. thinking, something, I need to place that. And that was it. That was where it was from. We might have badgered him into it, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, maybe, yeah. That, I don't, I don't a, know. I'm not knocking chance, it. I'm not. I'm not there's yeah. a chance that it was us going, but, oh, why don't we? Why don't we? Yeah, yeah, not yeah, being able be. to put it off. But if you, um, this is where, with your slick production techniques, this is where you you play in a little bit of the intro of the Beatles and the Stones by House of Love, and then mm. people can judge for themselves what they think. Um, you can tell you've not listened to any of these, can't you? What's that? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, you sorry. You've not listened to have any I, of these. Have I, have yeah. I, have I over-egged yeah. your yeah. production puddings? You're, you're on another plane of production <laughs> yeah. values sorry. now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> There's never been an egg near my production <laughs> okay. pudding. Well, that's good. Think of the cholesterol, so it's good. <laughs> Was he aware, then, that you were messing about in the background building building what would become River? Were you doing that in your downtime? No, that wasn't. That, that wasn't done. That, that's a, that was a different sort of. That was like a different. Um, I was going to say era. It's about fucking four months later or something. But it felt like it, it felt like very separate bits. In my in my mind, Brave exists from Marowat, which I had nothing to do with. Wasn't I didn't know anything about. Then they came to Liverpool, um, to Par Street for a few months. We did that during that time. That's when they said, "Do you fancy doing a bit of work with us?" You could come and stay at our studio and be a general, you know, dog's body sort of thing. I'm sure they put it much nicer than that. Um, <laughs> no, that's um, what we meant. And I'm not, yeah, I'm not suggesting said. that. <laughs> but, um, but and there was that, and then then we were in London for a bit. Do you remember in the late summer we went to Townhouse and Psalm, finishing it all off? Yeah, I, rem- I remember mixing it all in Psalm. Yeah, and we, we had a day in the Townhouse. That's right. Doing the alternative ending for the Great Escape. That's Did you right. come down to that? Yeah, I was in on for that. Yeah, I was tape hopping on that. It was that. a Saturday. I think that's all I can remember about it. Oh, I can't remember because I think Rod Stewart was in. Was oh, okay. in uh, which one was it? Townhouse. It wasn't Townhouse Two because that was the one with the stone room. So it must have been Townhouse One or something. Sh- anyway, yeah, it was a Saturday. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, when we were in Psalm, the other <laughs> memory of of when we were in Psalm mixing bits was um, that the Notting Hill Carnival was on, and of course, it's right next to it. And uh, I wandered out to taste the colour and atmosphere of the Notting Hill Carnival, and it was really quite scary. But but it was sort of fun if you like curry goat and rivers of piss running down the street towards you, where people were standing. You know, there, there well, wasn't who can the facilities. Honestly say they don't like that. There, was, there were honestly the facilities. <laughs> they weren't there. They weren't available. What a but great name for a band. Rivers of piss. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a subtitle. Curry goat and rivers of piss. Uh, sounds goat and like one of, of my Europeans reviews, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh God. Um, but yes. Yeah, so, so then, so sorry to bring it back on your chronology. So then, some of the so then the album sort of all tidied up, mixed by this summer, and then I came down to racket, not what it is now, but the same sort of, uh, it's the same place where it is, but it's a different building. Um, and Mark, Ke- I remember Mark Kelly picked me up in a van, in the re- I think it was in the red van, the dreaded red van, <laughs> and um, drove me back. And I remember asking him, because I didn't, this is sound stupid now, but I didn't know where I was. I just got told which train station to go to, and someone would meet me. I hadn't really, it hadn't crossed my mind like what county I was in. So when I got in the car with in the van with Mark, I said, where am I? And he said, Barks. And I said, Barks? Like fucking Barksha. And he's going, no, Barks. Because he had he's, he swings, Mark, between sort of slightly cockney, slightly Londony, And if he's in the right company, just ever so slightly posh. 
But he was saying barks, but it sounded like barks. Anyway, so he dropped me off at the racket club, and I just lived in there for a while with um, with this massive bag of CDs, and um, that was it. But that's that's where the river thing was done, in the little studio in there. So that would have been the autumn. And did anybody know you were doing it? Yeah, well, I was asked to do it. I mean, all these oh, okay. th- this is what you've just done is the classic Marillion thing, right? Where someone will ask me to do something, I will start to do it, and people will walk in and stand behind me and go, what are you doing? And I go, you've just fucking asked me to do this. It's, <laughs> you know, and they go, I, I don't know. And that is, you've just done the perfect, that's exactly what happens to me all the time. What are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing down here, man? <laughs> fucking asked yeah. me to come down and to do this specific thing. So... My, my memory of that was, my memory of that was that um, I think I think it was I think it actually came from H maybe where there's this thing I'm sure it's been discussed before but the thing of if you go to see a gig basically the front of house guy's got thin Lizzie on because he's into it and then if you're about to do a really moody opening atmospheric piece it goes boys are back down oh no here we are and we're supposed to slot right into that atmosphere so the idea was let's have a bit of waft so that people don't quite know what to make of it and avoid like having rockist stuff on at the beginning. And also yeah. they said we could get you the multi-tracks of some of these things and samples and we could float a few little sam- you know, Marillion samples that would be recognisable to a Marillion fan. So you'd, they'd hear this waft and think this is nothing and then they'd hear a little bit of, I don't know, Splinter in Heart or something and then they'd go, oh, oh, this could be good, you know, and it would lead into something. That was the idea. I, I wanted the brave... To the brave shows to be like a happening. Yeah, um, yeah. It never quite happened. No, I wanted people to be given lucky bags right. when they came in. Uh, you know, with with random objects in them. Right, uh, right. You know, look. You know, remember lucky bags? Oh, I do yeah. very much. So, Jamboree yeah. bags with a sherbet. Dip yeah, yeah, yeah. And Bit of bit of plastic shit and as well. Yeah, and I, I wanted everybody to get a lucky bag with something just sort of vaguely groovy. Yeah. Um, and then they'd come in and they'd be like, um, um, you know, lights on, on the on the hall instead of on the stage. Yeah. There'd be lights moving around and there'd be mist. Yeah, yeah. There'd be a vibe going. Yeah. So you wouldn't be walking into it, like Mike just said, you wouldn't be walking into a gig with somebody playing a Thin Lizzy song or something, not through the PA. You'd be walking into a, a vibe and you'd be going, whoa, what's going on here? Anyway, none of it ever happened because it was deemed beyond the budget. Yeah. But, uh, and also, also, you know, also, also if we think, were a massive attack, it would have happened, but we were us. So yeah. It didn't. But also, those things, you're also, in your, in your head, you're, you've got this audience of people who want to come in and be wrapped in that kind of moment. The reality is, most people have just been in the boozer and they can't wait to see that. You know what I mean? So it's all a bit chatty That's and a true. bit, you know, so that. You have these ideas for, for setting up things like that, but it's not always practical or necessarily fair, really, on, on people who don't know what, what's going to go on. I was just trying no. to mentally picture what might be in a brave lucky bag, though. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> razor blades. In <laughs> razor blades, pills. <laughs> razor blades and acid. Some kind of horrific diary of terrible abuse. And that's your lucky bag. <laughs> Sorry. I've lowered the tone already. I'm like, this is why I don't do. No, this no, you haven't. <laughs> no, you haven't. No, we're 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 almost stellar compared to the usual. Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm just thinking of all these people opening a bag with a sherbet dib dab. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and a razor blade. <laughs> yeah, you're wondering how it bits on the on the upper lip and. Yes, exactly. And also, I'd like to put on the record that I've got nothing against Thin Lizzy. It's been very anti-Irish so far. My contribution. It's been hugely, it's been hugely That's bad. A good point. Do you want to have a quick go at Terry Wogan while you're there no, and no, just get no, a set? No, no. <laughs> Did I tell you about the Chocolate Fountain? Terry Wogan's Chocolate Fountain? There's a band name. The only time I've ever seen Terry Wogan in the flesh in my life was in was in, ra- in Radio 2 or something. It was in, you know, in the Beep. And I was in to do um, that Popmaster. But oh, I was, yeah. I was take, taking on Joe Brand. Oh, well. Popmaster. Okay. And uh, so I was sitting on this sofa waiting. This is quite topical, actually. Waiting waiting to be called in to, uh, what's he called, a Scottish fella? Ken Bruce. Doesn't Ken Bruce. Ken oh, Bruce. Okay, waiting to be called into Ken Bruce's room yeah. when a door opens and Will Smith walks out. Right. And me and Lynette are sitting on the sofa going, holy shit, that's Will Smith. Who'd have thunk it? Wow. He's tall, isn't he? And and he walked down the corridor, and then the lift doors opened, and Terry Wogan walked in, carrying a chocolate fountain. <laughs> Everywhere he goes, <laughs> Terry, for fuck, put it down, like. Came out the corridor, we going. He's got a chocolate fountain. Yeah, I wonder. There's a story there. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't know what the story was. Yeah. Anyway, just that's my Terry Wogan. Well, so I can't think of Terry Wogan without thinking of the chocolate fountain. The, the only the only Terry Wogan story I know was told to me by Ken Nelson, producer, Coldplay producer, and good general good fella. Um, was I think it might have been the Lars, but I don't want to libel anyone or ruin you get your show soon. But it was some some quite lively Liverpool scally band with slight entourage in tow at the BBC, and they're walking up some stairs. And this scal, I'm sure, yeah, I'm sure it was right. It was a lot, anyway. But um, Terry Wogan's walking down the stairs, and these really likely looking scals are going up. And one of them says, "All right, Terry," and he sort of looks at them and sort of looks away to, as you would to avoid. And this fella pushed him down. The, it's only a few stairs, but he just pushed, just fucking say hello, Terry. And it, was, it was just a horrible thing to do. Anyway, sorry, that's you have to cut that out because that could be highly liable. Just say hello, Terry. Fucking hell. Other scally Liverpool bands are available. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Could have been any yeah. of them. Yes. Yeah. Just for the record. Yeah. Um. Well, we just so. before we finish on the river thing. Um. Well, we haven't started on it. Well, we have, because he has... Oh, Mike's it's... talked about that. Yeah, yeah. He's given oh, us right. that. You know. Oh, I must, I must have glazed over. Yeah. No, we started off with the whole, I was asked to do it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah that's true. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the only other slightly... I, was, I don't hesitate to use the word interesting, but the slightly odd thing about that was because it's the kind of thing where if you were doing it in a sequence or with Pro Tools, now it would be quite easy to knock together. All I had was a one-inch tape recorder and a load of instruments, so it was all recorded live and layered up by playing on top of it in, in exactly the way you wouldn't do something now in a, in a, on a tape yeah. machine. Dragging Ian's drums sounds great, and thing. Well, it sounds great. It's, yeah, it's it, right. I mean, there's, you know, it's better than some of our albums. It's got, it's, <laughs> yeah, no. it's got, it's, uh, it's got this little... It's, it was really funny trying to, trying to deliberately do something that wasn't supposed to attract your attention for a bit, though. Because the whole idea with music, right. isn't it? You're supposed to be trying to... Get someone's attention with something. Said so the whole waft Mike thing. Some kind of yeah. I, quite, I did enjoy it though. 
You've given us two titles for the episode so far, you know that, don't you? Terry Wogan's Chocolate Fountain's winning so far, isn't it? Well, no, no. You said something about um, producing a bit of waft, oh, yeah. which I thought was great. Oh, well, what, obviously, waft? Curried Goat and Rivers of Piss is up there, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Sure, yeah, I think that wins by, by you know... <laughs> by a dribble. Mile. I think waft, though, now is is part of... Well, it's, it's definitely part of my vocabulary within Marillion is when we're trying to describe those atmospheric moments where there isn't necessarily a, a very definite rhythm or anything, and it's you know a section is moving into another thing via an atmosphere, that just gets called waft as a shorthand. You know, like we need yeah. a bit of waft in here just to glue this to that. We'd all be sat in real world, and I could go, right, we, we I need waft. Yeah. Now, do you remember I, that? I thing? Give me four, waft. After four, you know. Well, yeah. <laughs> just waft. <laughs> A, a terrible difficulty in that one. That was on this album, wasn't it, with, with um, Bits of Care. And mm. I remember I was trying, when you're trying to get musicians, I've said this many times, but it, when you try and get musicians to do something that you want to do, they don't do it. And when you don't want them to do something, they will do it. So perfect example of this is if we're jamming an idea to work, to work it up or to develop it, and we haven't got somewhere to go at the end, I will say... Let's jam this now, but when you get to the end, just go somewhere, you know, just go somewhere. And if you say that, they all stop at the bit where we already were. And if you say to them, I need you to stop, when you get to this point, don't do anything, they'll wander off and do hours of stuff. That is absolutely 100% every single time it works. Every And you just have to accept that that's what yeah. musicians are. So. If you'd not done this job, do you think you would have been a primary school teacher? <laughs> no, I don't think I would. But yeah, I can see the parallels. Yeah, cat wrestler. Yeah, a lot less stressful. Yeah, I, I've all, I've always said working with working with the four other members of this band is like watching five school children trying to design a nuclear power station. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know. Yes, that's about right. That that level of complexity and that level of lack of being able to, being able to do anything. anything like it. Yeah, yeah, no, it's true. But I remember uh, during that what, what that waft section that we were trying to nail down in real world on this album. I remember just every time I'd say, "Just don't play anything. Like, don't play anything at all." And when you think you're about to, to like to mark, especially my we going. Don't play anything. Let it start. Don't touch it. And when you think you're going to touch it, wait a minute and then touch it. Do you know, don't you know? Please play as little as you possibly be. But bang, you just steam in straight away because because it's his nature. So you know, you've just well, got to be you've, true. You've mentioned it, so let's let's get on to the new one. Let's get on to the new album. Okay. Um, because there seems to be. Uh, uh, I look back at. Uh, uh, at your time with the band, your sort of recent time with the band, yeah. starting off with, with somewhere else. Yeah. And the gaps between the albums are getting longer. Yes, that's true. But I would like to take issue with that, as I always do when certain members of the band go, fucking hell, this last one took us seven years or whatever. It never does. Like this last one, the gap between fear and this is six years, Right. So I think in lots of people's minds, especially if you're not a Marillion fan who goes to all the gigs and stuff and takes a real interest in between albums, because in that six years, they've done the Albert Hall stuff, an entire string album, an entire string tour with all the arrangements and stuff that needs doing, two lots of conventions, 
2017 and 2019. That's not nothing. And about, you know, a dozen live albums. That's not nothing as well as all this stuff that gets us here. So it's not as if, it's not like Kate, well, it's not Kate Bush, is it, where she's sat on her ass for 14 years or something and nothing else comes out. It's it's a different thing. It's just you know if you if if the people are paying attention, they know what they're doing almost every day. There's loads of stuff going on. It's just not necessarily you know an album. It's not like the old treadmill of album tour. Get back in and do another album. Because what I was going to say was, sorry, just it's all right with that in mind and the fact that it is that there's there's been a would it be fair to say there's been a shift. And a, and a development of the way of working when it comes to producing an album. Because the first thing I was going to say was, clearly at the back of fear, that you didn't start working on what would become where you are now. No. I mean, in my head, the work on an hour before it start probably been going, what, 18 months? Would that be fair? Slightly, slightly longer than that. But again, but, but to, say that it's, to say that it's kind of ongoing work is probably, is probably gilding it a little bit because... I'm sure everyone knows the way they sort of work is they jam with with no plan. They just improvise with no plan at all, often during rehearsals or times when they're not doing So no one is in that room, in inverted commas, making an album. They're in that room yeah. supposed to be working on something else, and the jams become a really nice excuse not to be doing that particular donkey work that day. And I think they're the most effective jams very often because... They're dying not to have to go and rehearse that bloody thing that's annoying them. So they'll they'll do some nice jams. So, but no one is sitting. You, you don't record a the way it works. You don't record a jam and then work on it and agonise over. They just sit on a drive. So there were ideas from this from say twenty eighteen, probably the rehearsals for the twenty nineteen convention stuff where the jams were recorded then. But no one we didn't do anything with them for another year or two. So it's it's not it's. The people, when they see, oh, that bit was recorded then, it's not a huge ongoing task that takes years and years. Mm. An hour before the talk, it took altogether, I reckon, about 16 months, really, from top, as in, this is all we're doing now. We're, all we're doing is making an album, and that we're in now, using bits that they've got before. But this is, I reckon it's about 16, 18 months. And considering the COVID thing and everything, you know, Rothers at the Shield and stuff like that, we basically, in terms of all of us getting in the room and going, right, we are really all doing this now, it was about a year. It was the summer when Rothers came back, and we, we were, we'd we finished mixing by this summer, so that was a year. So the, the idea that it's a big, huge six-year, you know, agonising over everything, it's just not like that at all. And that is the bit that it is difficult, unless you're involved in that, to really understand. Sure. Because most people will think... Okay, well, you work. You will work on a single project in a linear process. Yeah. Um, and and to to what you've just said, if you think about the output of, um, I mean, it's a bit like this when we were chatting to Simon the other day. Think about the audio output of Racket. Yeah. Anything that's got audio that needs touching, mixing, whatever, which could be for a DVD, it could be for a a, a video, it could yeah. be for a trailer, it could be a con a, a bit of tweaking around a concept. It's a ridiculous quantity of stuff. Yeah. Oh, you got yeah, yeah. There's huge. Yeah, that's that's what. If you added up all the stuff we'd done around the albums in all these supposed big long bits between, yeah, a lot, just a lot, real lot of work, you know. And then, and then the actual bit of making an album, 
is slightly more made slightly more long-winded just because of the way that they've you know evolved into working which is for god's sake nobody nobody have a plan let's just improvise enjoy put together suggest it it all stays very vague for quite a while and then and then it becomes it then it becomes work and we are all at an age as well where we you know Two hours and we're somebody's looking at their watch yeah. and shuffling shuffling out the door yeah, for, yeah. with a very very good excuse. But I, I, um, I it, so we're we're a bit like that in, as well. In a funny way though, I, I think, mean Mike isn't. Mike's working his balls <laughs> off, but we're kind of coming and going. But I think that's ended up working quite well. That I think because I think it keeps everyone's attention span better because it's be- far better for someone to come in for two hours, do something where you know you've done a blinding bit of work on something where you go, oh that's going to be something. And everyone can go home happy. Whereas if you just if you sat there for another eight hours trying to nail some idea down to it, I don't necessarily believe that would be better. You know? No, no, I don't think it would. So I think but I think it does, it's, but it, it does sort of make everything feel. There's always that feeling that I mean I'm, I I get a bit of it, and Pete gets it terribly that there's so much more we could be doing in a day. Yeah. than we've done. You know? Yeah, yeah, but yeah. In terms of a, of, of a creative output worth anybody wanting to hear it's probably you're probably quite right it's probably you know that's going to happen in the first hour yeah and you know the rest of it it might not yield up much that anyone would want to hear and it also gives you time to to you know to listen and review and yeah catalog and faff about and you know maybe uh maybe find some interesting things that will go together yeah so we're probably doing you a favor by clearing off early in yeah. fact, I must make a note of that for the yeah. future. Yeah, I think it's... this is for you, Mike. I'll say as I jump in at the car. <laughs> yeah, I'm doing this down. for you. <laughs> See you in a couple of days. <laughs> no, it's uh, no. I do think it sort of works though. That that approach. It's better than having loads of board. There's nothing worse than having a group of five people, three of whom really want to be somewhere else, and they thought they were going to go earlier, and now they haven't, and now it's worse. It's not. It's not helping. You're not going to get any gold out of that. So you might as well all. Home and you know, the thing is that most people who are in bands or are musicians become musicians because when they were supposed to be doing the thing that they were supposed to be doing, whether that was being an electrical engineer or a bricklayer or whatever it was, the stuff they were supposed to be doing, they they picked up a guitar. Instead, and well, I know I'm really supposed to be doing, or I'm supposed to be doing my homework, but I just want to play this guitar. And so, people who are in bands are usually in bands because they all—they're the kind of people who will find anything else to do rather than what they're supposed, they're supposed to, to be, be doing. doing. Yeah, yeah. So down the line, when they're supposed to be musicians, yeah, they'll yeah. almost do anything. <laughs> yeah, yes, <yeah. laughs> absolutely, hundred percent agree. Because yeah. they're trying to escape that. Yeah, yeah. You know, I found myself dismantling vacuum cleaners. <laughs> yeah, you know, or anything, your ra- ra- rather than write anything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it all goes the other way. Well, look, let's let's take a pause for a second, go for a bit of diary. Um, but it doesn't matter that we don't know where you're going, and it doesn't matter that I've not read it because I'm not even going to attempt to ask a question about it. Well, that's a relief. So so we haven't got to worry about it. So it doesn't matter that we both don't have a clue in this instance. And anyway, it's the 100th. We can do what we like. Yeah. Yeah, we're not here to have a clue. No. We're here to celebrate a centenary. 
Monday, 23rd of April, Hanover. Woken at 5.30 by the telephone by my bed at the Holiday Inn Heathrow. Oddly enough, it didn't come as much of a shock. I think I was dreaming about it happening just before it did. Found Mark in room 2305 to check he was up. There was a sound at the other end, like someone destroying a telephone, so I think he was having a bit of trouble. Showered, dressed and put my things together before going downstairs to the hotel reception. I must have been the first person to appear this morning as the staff started scurrying around and turning on the lights in the lobby. Well, that's a first. At ten to six, the airport bus appeared, so I telephoned Mark again to see how he was doing. He was just on his way out through the door of his room. Unfortunately, the bus pulled away before he showed up, so we had to wait for the next bus. While we waited, he suddenly realised he'd lost his flight tickets and ran off back to his room to try to find them. The next bus came during his absence, and I persuaded the driver to wait until he returned. The traffic was pretty thick during the short journey to Terminal 2, and it was 6.30 by the time we arrived to check in for the 7.10 to Hanover. There was still a queue of people waiting to check in, so we waited our turn, and when we got to the desk, the desk clerk said, I'm afraid the flight is very busy and you won't be able to sit together. Peering into his computer screen and then picking up his telephone, he listened for a moment and then said, I'm afraid it's worse than that. The flight is overbooked and you can't get on at all. Oh dear. The next flight to Hanover was not until 11.15. Not much use to us. We made our way across the hall to the ticket desk, where a helpful girl was doing her best to offer alternatives to the growing queue of pissed-off businessmen and women. After some research, she offered us the 8.55 to Hamburg, which arrives at 11.30. We rang Louise Vase to give her the bad news, and she promptly set about trying to organise transport to get us from Hamburg to Hanover by road a journey of at least two hours. Looks like it's going to be one of those days. By way of compensation, British Midland gave each of us a voucher for £50, which we then had to go to Terminal 1 to cash. I checked my bag in and we wandered down the labyrinth of tunnels and corridors to Terminal 1, where we were handed the cash. This turn of events means that I was paid for a promo trip for the first time ever. Mark and I had now got a couple of hours to kill, so we went for coffee and a spot of breakfast while I pondered the irony of the fact that I could, after all, have slept in my own bed with my wife last night for the first time in three weeks. Well, we made our way to the gate and hung around in an uninspiring concrete lounge for some time before boarding the plane. The flight was pleasant and uneventful, and my bag showed up at the other end, unlike the last time we came to Germany for promotion, when my luggage went missing and showed up in Amsterdam three days later. We were met at Hamburg Airport by Michael and Marcus, who took us back to Hanover in a black VW minibus. I wandered in and out of consciousness, trying to catch up on deprived sleep during the 90-minute journey, and when we arrived at CMM Promotions Offices, we hit the ground running and were hurried into the first phone interview of the day. 
Now, any intelligent, casual reader of this diary in years to come may justifiably wonder why a record company would go to the time and massive expense of sticking a couple of musicians in a hotel for the night before flying them to another part of Europe, whereupon they are rushed into a minibus and driven halfway across Germany to do an interview on the telephone. Well, folks, that's the music business. I always expected the music business to be insane, that's why I'm in it, but sometimes it's quite a bit more insane than I am. Anyway, as we were now two hours behind schedule, there was much work to catch up on, so the lunch break was cancelled and we worked through until 6pm when we were hurried back out of the building to drive one hour to Bremen for an interview with Burghard, my favourite DJ on earth. Here's a guy who is totally into the music he plays. He plays an imaginary drum kit along with the music and you can tell he's simply loving it. He played a few of our new songs during the interview, playing This Is The 21st Century alongside an excellent cover of the Beatles' I'm Only Sleeping by Suggs of Madness. He then surprised me by broadcasting a live recording of the Europeans writing for Survival, which I didn't know existed. He told me that it was Radio Bremen's own recording of a gig we had done in town in 1984, which, try as I might, I can't remember doing. We left the radio station to go to a restaurant for dinner at ten in the evening. The kitchen was on the point of closing when we arrived, so I ordered something and then asked if I could be taken to check in at the hotel so that I could at least have a wash and change of clothes for the first time in 17 hours. I quickly called home to say hello before running back downstairs to return to the restaurant, where finally we could relax. Dinner was pleasant enough and we talked rubbish and put the world to rights with Michael and Marcus. There was much debate about whether Cole had been right or wrong in his mission to reunite Germany. Ever the idealist, I admire him for acting on pure principle and doing something about it on such an enormous scale. The Germans don't really see it that way, though. In the West, they have to live with the reality of high taxes and falling currency values and living standards, while in the Eastern sector, the people feel like they've been bought by the West, only to lose their jobs and now find it impossible to afford the rich goods that surround them, or to keep up with their well-educated and better-motivated Western counterparts. Massive social or political changes are never straightforward, whether they're based on sound principles or not. Personally, I still think that the reunification of Germany was the right and proper thing to do. I gradually mellowed out after a couple of beers, and we returned to the hotel where Mark suggested a nightcap in the bar. I knew it was a bad idea, but agreed anyway, and so we ended up staying up far too late and drinking far too much. Michael said he would give me a call at 9.30 in the morning as we must leave at 10.15 for the flight to Munich. Went to bed and spent most of the night wrestling with the German pillows, soft square things that refuse to assume the right shape to support one's head, no matter how they're manipulated. Woken by the ringing telephone. Good morning, Steve. Michael here. Are you ready to leave? It's five past ten. Oh my God. Ran around like a headless chicken, trying to shower, dress and pack in five minutes. 
My watch had completely vanished and I had to practically dismantle the room before finding it under the mattress in the middle where I absolutely had not left it. It was going to be another one of those days. Postscript 1. I'm convinced that the only way my watch could have arrived beneath my mattress in the middle of the area of the mattress was if it had been carefully placed there. I can only conclude that a member of the hotel staff or cleaning staff had taken a shine to it and decided to stash it where it could later be stolen. If I noticed it gone and made a fuss, the room could be searched and the watch found. If I checked out and left it, and then called to ask if the hotel had found it, they would search the room and deny it was there. Dodgy. Postscript 2. It turns out that it was Berghard's last broadcast on Radio Bremen. He's been made redundant to make way for restructuring of the station format. That'll teach him to play music he enjoys. If you ever wonder what's wrong with radio, bear in mind that the likes of Bob Harris and Berghard struggle to remain at radio, and it seems to be the same everywhere in the world. They're eventually kicked out in favour of DJs who play music from a strict playlist dedicated by The Parent Company, which usually owns entire strings of radio stations nationwide. So next time you hear Tina Turner singing What's Love Got To Do With It on Radio Hush, you can be sure she's asking the right question. And we're back. Yeah. Anyway, Mike's still with us. Um, oh. Just giving us a wave for the purposes of the yeah, podcast. Yeah, for the audio, you know. <laughs> for the audio, yeah. She might have heard the waft total, of his hand. Yeah, professional. <laughs> um... um we were talking obviously about the album. We were talking about the fact that that actually there's a lot goes on in the six years in between. You said that some great stuff came out of some rehearsal jams, mid rehearsal jams, or you know, quite early on in the process. Do you do you remember things? And by that I mean I know you leave them and they sit, and then you come back and and, and listen to them later on, and that starts a process again. But when you go through that process of re-listening, do you think? Oh yes, that I actually remember that from 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 back in the day. Yeah, and that's gen- that's generally a good sign. I've sort of got two. I've got two levels of noting things. I used to, when when we first started doing this kind of thing, round about the happiness time. I used to literally write the title of the jam, which would have a date. You know, the jams are all <laughs> dated, so it it will be called like twenty seventh of February two thousand and eight. Eno ish keyboard. Yeah. That'll be so. That's my reference, and I know when when to look for the drive because it's got the date on it. Um, but I used to write them down. I used to write roughly what the key was, roughly what the temp um, the tempo was, and whatever it suggested to me. And I'd have these books full of them, and they were mostly a waste of time because I never ever used to refer to them or make these clever plans with all this stuff, this these this detail available to me. Um. What I tend to do now is I um if something goes past that I think is really interesting, I'll put a marker in, uh, which is like a way of putting a physical you'll know, but a physical mark as the track is running in Pro Tools yeah, yeah. on the recorder. Yeah. And you can just note and say, Oh, guitar notes, makes you know, listen to that. And it can be a, it can be a tiny thing, it's not necessarily a big 
whole band thing. It could be, oh, listen to that noise, listen to that thing. And then when you come back and I listen to it all again, um, well, I, I do myself a favour in that I can sort of say, this is just poorly played blues in E for 10 minutes. Please feel free to jump to minute 11 where things get interesting. You know what I mean? To save me having to listen yeah. to stuff that no use, you know, again and again. And then I have li- just little details, and then 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 they get noted. And then as you're doing it, when I'm when I'm doing cutting jams up, I'm not doing anything else. So I'm literally mm-hmm. doing that all the time, all day, every day, for a while. And they just stay in you. They stay in your in your sort of head. Not to mm-hmm. not like a sort of autistic sort of librarian level of I can go and pull that off. I'll know next time that comes, there's something for that. And the next time I'm playing through, there it is, that's it. And you you, you deal with it like that. Is it almost like, do you know when you're doing a jigsaw? Yeah. And you go, oh, actually, I've seen I've seen that bit yeah, with that exactly. bit of sky on it. I've got a bit is of sky. Is it a bit like that? Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. exactly that. Where the hell did I put it? I had right. that this morning. And, and, and for those who aren't used to what we were talking about with markers on the software, essentially it's the equivalent of folding the corner over a page, isn't it, really? In a book? It's just like a little note to say, at this point in time, yeah, this is what I think of it, um, hmm. and then it, it means basically if something's got a yellow a yellow marker, it means it's worth listening again to make sure that the, I don't overlook something. Then, yeah. then when I cut them into bits, I'll like. I always, I always think that if someone's gone to the trouble of playing something, and it is something, even if it's something where I don't think, in all honesty, we're probably going to use it, I still think it's worth chopping archiving and marking off as a thing mm. like mark sometimes does these things and i tend to call them things like um this is the news or politics today and it'll be like a piano thing and it'll just sound like you know weekend world or something um yeah and you think we're probably not going to use it but you never know but i'll mark it up and you just put it put it in the pot and you have all these things but I have a little subsystem of when i put the title in I have like a gradation of if I put nice, it says nice guitar loop. That's worth listening to. If it's lovely, then it's really worth looking, you know. And if it's ace, if it doesn't get on the album, then someone else has fucked up because, you know, you're wrong not to recognize it. That is so good. So those little levels of my markers, if I go back, and I'm trying to remember which things. When I see those, I know that that's the that's the stuff. Go on, then give us give us an example of an ace. Well, um, on this last one, the the uh, the glorious angels, uh, angels on earth or whatever the title is yeah. now. It was the working title was called Glorious Angels because right from the, I mean that that jam doesn't sound a lot different to what what is on that record. Um, there's there's you know a little bit of refining, but there's no. No one's gone and done anything clever with it. That was that just came out of the sky, and it was wonderful and brilliant. And so, and I don't think even immediately after the jam, not everyone will always spot something that's gone past, you know, because uh, for all kinds of reasons. But you do get somewhere as you're doing it. You go, this is fucking great. This is yeah. This Mm -hmm. this is just yeah. We're done here. This is great. And the similar thing happened last time on the very. Still, still call it the levers end. So the all one tonight bit at the end of the levers, mm. um, that was that was a jam that they did in front of Giorgio 
and his wife. And this thing where I'm saying about when they jam, if they've got something else to do, they jam differently because, you know, they're using it as an excuse, like Steve was just saying, to not rehearse, so we'll jam for a bit longer. When you when you bring people into the room, they, they jam completely differently. Because by now, I'm like a doctor in there. Then they've all got their trousers down. No, we're all fine with it. You know what I mean? But if you bring someone from the outside world in, they're not just going to try this stupid thing that might, you know, you might look daft mm. if you do. So the Leavers End, again, came out of that, real, not quite as fully formed as the Angels, but um, but really quite down the road. And I was straight away, I was like, yes, we've got this. It's fantastic. So, and to- that's, do you know what? That's interesting because in my head, there's similar, there's not similarities, but there's something euphoric about both yeah. of those No, they are similar music. pieces. Yeah, they are similar pieces. Um, the one thing, the one thing I would say is that when you do, when you work with people who are improvising, and you're obviously looking for things to make sense and to to move you and to 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 make you to draw you in. One of the things you've got to be really aware of is that just because something goes from one end to the other doesn't mean it should. Be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Sometimes you can get a thing where you go, "Well, that starts, it goes along, it's not horrible, and it finishes," but. The, the, there's a point where you work that up and then you get the quality control net out and if it's not right, it's not right. Just, just It's sort of impressive, you know what I mean? If you say, they were all just in a room, no one knew what they were going to do next and that just popped out. You can be sort of, you can be impressed by that in a way you shouldn't be because you've got to step back and say, would we be as impressed by that if someone worked on it for two years and said, this is my, you know, my master. Yeah, if we, you've if got to sort of if, judge if that. Carefully crafted yeah. it. Would we? Would we be exactly? Like, well, would we be really that? made up with that? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that's just one of the pitfalls of that. You've just got to be careful to, not to be impressed by something that just happens to work. I mean, there was one one time as well. I don't know if people are aware of this, but there was one jam we were doing. I'm thinking, it just sort of starts off, and I'm thinking, this is fucking great, and it carries on. And it's one of those things where I knew exactly what was about to happen. Presumably, they're really nicely put together. And I'm thinking, this is just fucking brilliant. Ah. And as it's going on, I think, hang on, this is chasing cars by Snow Patrol. And when we checked it, often when you hear something like that, you check and you go, oh, look at that. It's nothing like it. It was fucking like, it, obviously, something subconsciously where you, people have gone for that thing. And everything about it was that. And we're like, oh, it's a shame, isn't it? It's been done and it was already great. So. so. Yeah, so that can happen. Do you know what, Mike? I'm really pleased you said that because I mentioned uh, Snow Patrol and Chasing Cars in uh, an episode we did with Dave, and I got a bit of abuse from a, a couple of the, the the purples saying, "Oh, I can't mention Snow Patrol in the same in the same sentence as Marillion." Oh no! Oh, that's a good but, track, though. That's a that's a that's a good. It's a fantastic good, track. Yeah. You can't it's you can't argue track. that. Yeah, you can't. Argue and I've always thought there were parallels between that and Fantastic Place. Always thought there were. Yeah. Now I can see that. I can sort of see that. I got a message from a bloke who said he he was at school with one of Snow Patrol and he was a Marillion fan. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with Snow Patrol. Nothing wrong with Snow Patrol. That's what I'm not saying he was. I'm just saying someone said he was. In, in, in fact, if you fancy doing chasing cars as the as the crewcast age, but I'll leave that. You can entirely. fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> That's how he talks to me. <laughs> oh, I'm in good company. This is I'm his really good company. He does this to me. He does this to me every week, Mike. Right. He'll, he'll just go, "Oh, there's the Croomcast." Like last last week, it was Yazoo. 
All right. I was shit at bricks. I was spending three days with a drum machine and yeah. some synths uh, trying to create. Look how well it went down. Everybody loved it. Uh, yeah, but it takes me ages. Mm. And the whole idea of the Crooncast was to go, thanks, Dave Smith. Mm, let's hear it for Ian Robinson. <laughs> You know, that was as an aside, completely as a, out of hand. As a slight aside, do you remember when we stole Alison Moyet's champagne? <laughs> no. <laughs> at a festival in Switzerland. I remember showing her my underwear. Was it the festival at Switzerland I'll... in Switzerland? It was like a right. Swiss it was like a Swiss festival. It was like an outdoor thing and it was um it was really nice. We all swam in the river. It was a beautiful we were all swimming in this really fast flowing river, the crew and everything. It was a really nice day. Sorted it all out. And then as it was finishing, someone, I can't remember, I, I won't, I'm not saying it was Cod, but I think it probably was Cod. He he said, fuck me, there's a load of champagne in there. And then so, you know, we just thought that looks like a good idea and liberate it. And then we found out later it was Alison Moyes for a big prezi, like a big, it was a special thing. So felt a bit guilty oh, later. Dear. Oh, dear. Sorry, Alison, if you're a big Merlin fan and listening to the pod. We, we seem uh, to be apologising to, yeah, no, to Alison no, quite no. a lot, actually. I once gave Alison my loose change. Oh, really? Uh, you know, because I was on my way out of, I was on my way out of Poland just as she was coming into Poland, right? And of course, I had a load of slotties. Oh, yeah, I, yeah. You can't, I couldn't do anything with. And I said, "You are, you, are you just arriving?" She said, "Yeah." I said, well, "I have all this have money." That. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, because I can't do anything with it. And then on another occasion, I was stood next. I think the first time I ever was anywhere near Alison Moy in the flesh was stood next to a baggage carousel, oh. and my suitcase had exploded, and my undies were all over the place, and I was <laughs> gathering them up, nice. thinking nice. this could have happened at a better time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice time. At least they were clean. They were clean. Yeah, well, that's good. He insists so, on that, I believe. Just before we wrap it all up, and first, first question's got to be, Mike, uh, I'm, I'm hoping it's not been too painful an experience. No, it's fine. No. The beer carries be- Because we'd free. quite like to ask you back. Oof. Oh, sure. There's always Episode an ulterior. Episode 200. Uh, to number 200. I'm sure I'll there's more stuff to mine. I'll come, I'll come back for 200, yeah. 200, <laughs> right. Oh, bloody hell. Make it a day. 200 quid. Now yeah. you've just seen... Yeah, it doesn't mean 200 quid. You see, that's... <laughs> that's <laughs> That's what it's like when they say the next Meridian album. See you in see you in album twenty two. It's got that kind of time frame looming ahead of you. Yeah, well, I was not. I wasn't going to mention that. I wasn't going to mention that. But what I was going to say mm-hmm. was though, and I know, and I know this is going to be really difficult. And but is there is there anything on the new album that you would look at and go, of all the bits, that's the bit that's absolutely been the bit that's lived up to what I thought it would live to. That I'm really, really, really happy with that. Um, I, I always end up sort of like the misery arse who, who can see all the problems and everything afterwards, and you you know you wish you'd sort of done things differently, but um, but I think I th- in a funny way I think sort of Crow Crow Nightingale sort of did that in that that wasn't that wasn't an idea that kicked the doors down and said this is this is so clearly a whopper it's got to you know. It wasn't one of those at all. It was something that was worked on and developed and added to and 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 grew into the thing that it became. And it's, it's become a really, really lovely thing. Um, so something like that probably sticks out a bit more than something like Murder Machines, which although it didn't really sound like the jam after, once we got going on it, 
um, it was sort of always clear what that was going to be. Mm. You know, that right from the off, that was it, it was sort of set out. Um, so, and it's sort of quite straightforward, whereas Crow Nightingale isn't. And the, the working process that we got to get to that wasn't straightforward because we were just trying it in endless keys and, and you know, approaches and stuff. So it was a, there was a lot of work went to Crow Nightingale and then it became the, this sort of natural sounding, really lovely thing. So that was good. And, the, and Care, I, I really like Care because that was, that was, I mean, Care was sort of a plan. You know, that was, there was a plan to that. And so to have it come off where, you know, it, it sort of all seems to work was very satisfying. But I, th- I think it's all sort of a bit like that, really, because that's, that's the way we've sort of tried to, it's a, it's a horrible word, word to use, but tried to keep a, a sort of quality control thing, or a, you know, and so something isn't going to get on if it's just all right and makes one of the band kind of happy, but two others hate it. It's not going on, you know what I mean? And you probably lose little bits of variety and interest that will please some people by doing that. But you te- you, we tend to have found the last couple we've done, we're, you know, there's not much that really disappoints us where you go back and go, oh, fuck it, no, we're not doing that one again. You know, it's all pretty strong stuff. So I think it's a worthwhile approach. So, um, yeah, I, I I tend to look back and go, oh, I wish I'd have done that differently. But I did... I, I didn't enjoy the way Crow Nightingale came out and the way Care came out. I think it's a real testament as well to to, to how this relationship works so well and what you you bring to the project. That I've I, certainly two members of the band have both said to me on about different albums, um, you know, that you saying, "Look, if it's not if it's not good enough, it's not going on." Yeah. About both Fear and 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 this one. Yeah, yeah. And I think I think that's a you know, I think that really shines through. In, in in the end result of both. Well, that's, um, that's a nice thing to say. I think I think for me, like the the turning point, the turning point in if if you want to call it a musical relationship or whatever you want to call it, the turning point for me was during sounds that can't be made, and it was one one of those things. Sometimes I will sit them down and ask them because I'm always I've I've done I did that thing where I asked them all to bring a record that they really love in so I could hear this hear what people's influences are and, you know, what really turns you on. When you go home, what are you putting on? You know, not what you... And I've never seen anything like it. It was all so completely different. And then as it, it's become clear to me over the years that, in a way, every member of this band would really rather... Not rather be in another band, but they'd rather this band was a bit more like the band that they had in... You know what I mean? Every one of them would have this band a bit different. But the reason it's really yeah. good is that none of them really have the the not the power, but the you know it. It's just like it's this permanent five way tension, which mm. which which makes it the thing that it is. You know what I mean? So, yeah, and I, I think and during Sounds of Comedy, made one thing that happened, which um, which had happened a couple of times where it sort of relates to the subject of me getting involved with the chopping up and arranging at the early stages of jams is that sometimes at the beginning of a project, some people in the band will put their hands up and go, I should be miles more involved with the with the listening through to the jams and the chopping up. I want to be a much, you know, and I'm going, it's all there. You can fucking listen. You know, it is. Have a drive. Have a couple of gig of drive and dig in. And you'll Off never you get know, yeah. anything. You never get. No, I never had a single back. thing back. 
I'll say in my def- I'll just say uh, the Queen of Kawasaki. Oh no 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 no. In Sorry. my, de- in but, no, my defence, this, this was-, was consigned immediately to the bin. No, yeah, but that's it's a different. <laughs> it's a, that's a different thing. But but I'll, I'll give you the credit for that. Absolutely. But I'm talking about because that has long since been jibbed. This idea. I need to do. I need to be involved with this. That is now jibbed because I sat you all down and I said, okay, let's get to the bottom of this because you haven't given me any of these great arrangement ideas that you're all going to do. So let's get back to the way, you know, get on with it sort of thing. And I said, so let's think of a really good Marillion high point that you can all look at and say, that was a piece of work that we're really, really proud of. And it really came out the way. And everyone went, yeah, Invisible Man's pretty hope there. And I said, yeah, it's fucking fantastic. It really. And I said, so you all, you're all in the room debating it and chopping it all and he go oh no dave did it all dave chopped it all together and that was that <laughs> i was like for fuck's so we've thrown away the method of working that got you the thing that you're most proud of fucking idiots and then then we did gaza yeah, off the back of that because we said okay well we can do we're allowed to do this then so that was that yeah and that was a big turning yeah. point for me because it went okay so we all know where, where each other stands now you have a little bit more confidence in letting me chop stuff up I don't have to sit there being polite, waiting for four weeks for someone to do nothing with these ideas. Um, we can crack on, you know. And I think that I think that was a real turning point. I really do, in a positive way, you know, really positive way. Whenever I've thought, and then I can say this hand on heart, really, I I, I can't think of one example that that, uh, that that contradicts it. Whenever I've locked horns with Mike over, you know, of over a over an idea that, that that's been going on, and I've gone no no I don't think that that's not right. It'd be better another way. I've always been wrong. That's, <laughs> so, I'm sure that's not true. gradually. <laughs> so you know, but but sometimes you just can't help yourself. You know, you've oh, no, got no. You've, you but- you go after. No, I'm not sure about that. He's nearly. Hundred and one percent, nearly all was right. Uh, even the, even the things I really severe misgivings about. You know, I, I end up thinking that's actually fantastic. You know, what on earth was I thinking? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm more than happy to let Mike run with any of it. But I would like really. to point out that I'm not. Suggest- it sounds a bit sort of megalomaniac thing there, but but I'm not suggesting that that's, you know, me. T- it's, it's more me saying to work like this, you have to establish a sort of practical process. Mm. And if the beginning of that process is me waiting for people who I know aren't going to do anything, mm. it's a waste of time. You know what That's I mean? And practical. everyone means yeah. well. So let's, I, let's do the thing that has led in the past with other people. It's not just about me, like, you know, Invisible Man and Dave and things like that. You know, let's just crack on with the thing that everyone does best. It's like me. I can play the guitar a little tiny bit no point me playing any fucking guitar i've got steve rothery in the room is it it it, you know i can plod the bass as badly as anyone what's the point of me playing you know it's not about putting yourself forward it's about what each person does best and i'm quite useful in having the patience to sit through hours and hours of stuff to log and catalog and find the things that i think are special and over the years we've we, we sort of you know we generally agree more than we don't think yeah there's not many people on earth who can do that and there's there's a damn sight less of them who would be prepared to, <laughs> yeah, to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
it's in that sense we're, we're in in uh, eternally grateful. Yes. However, it shakes up. However, it worked its way out, and and however you've arrived at this point, the fact is, from a fan's perspective, you look at the last two albums and go, something's really working. Something is really, really working. Yeah, Everybody seems happy. Everybody seems to have found a, a vibe and a groove that works. There's an honesty. There's a whatever it well, might we're happy. be. We're happy because it's finished. Yeah. And we should <laughs> yeah. have seen as when we no, were nearly finished. Yeah, don't, we were all on the roof holding hands ready to jump. I think, yeah, you, I can think that, no, you can no, hear it. You can hear it. There's just something right yeah. about, about it, about it all. You know, and and I've always been a, a huge fan of of Afraid of Sunlight. I think that you know, for a long time, that was always my my, my oh, favorite of, of the albums. Yeah. And I think that to me feels the same way. That everything's right in the world. Everything's right in this band. Right in this world. And the output and the thing that you point at is that, and that is a that is perfect, or as or as close to perfect as you're going to get. Yeah, no, that's good. It's high high praise because that's a great record. So that's yeah. A strong compliment. Yeah, I've heard of a few people have said that to me that you know it's up there with AOS that had previously been for them there. Yeah. Their high yeah, yeah. Anyway, we'll draw one hundred to a close yeah. with the promise that if we can do another eighteen months, Michael come back. Yeah, no, I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll definitely for two hundred. Um, I am very, there. very sorry about all the racism. <laughs> if you can edit it all out, I'll be really grateful. Especially after Dave saying that lovely thing. About work when we were doing the marbles thing, you know, which is a really sweet and lovely thing to say, and then I go and do an Irish accent. You've not listened to this, have you? There's, there's, there's oh, been a lot of accents that have run through TCB. No, well, in fairness, in fairness to myself, I feel like I probably get enough Marillion in most of my days without thinking. At the end of a day, <laughs> thinking about listening to you this. You know what I could do with now? If I could get a couple of hours of H in my ear as I drift off. <laughs> After just doing ten hours of something, you know what I mean. Talking the kind of bollocks I've had to listen to all day from him. Yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Well, listen. One and a half hours a week on a Monday, and I've got a little bit of an insight into your into your world. Right. Well, for, uh, yeah, exactly. The, as we start on the next hundred. Yeah, yeah. You're pro- yeah, you're probably close to. Mike, thank you. It's been an absolute treat and a pleasure. No, really enjoyed it. Um, thank you. Thanks you, for making it. You're very, very kind. Enjoyable. Um, H, it's been a blast. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just been a blast, yeah. hasn't it? Yeah, we haven't got really fed up with it yet, have we? I get a bit fed up with editing it sometimes, but, yeah. but I, I haven't got fed up with doing it. No. And, uh, you know, the Chromecasts are a bit of a blinking headache. Yeah, I'm not helping there, am I, really? Because they're getting worse, you know, more and more involved. I did Takata and Fugue the other day, and going <laughs> into I Do Like to Be Beside the Seaside took That was genius. Days. That was genius. Days and days. Yeah. Uh, no, it is. No, it's been all right. Yeah. It's been, considering we've done 100, that's, that's shocking. It is insane. Yeah. So here's to the next uh, 4,000. Yeah. <laughs> we'll leave you with that thought, folks. Yeah. We've done 100 and it's been all right. Yeah. 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 We'll do it all. Everything on our own I need your help You crazy cats So thanks for that 
you and McBean. Thank you, Jack Nesbitt. Thank you, Cindy, for signing up to me. It's a bit strange taking your money just for rambling, but I'm grateful all the same. Don't need a plan, we'll make it up. Me and Aunt. I want to tell you Time for listening Time for listening To Mike and Aunt and me Want you to know Every Time for listening to TCD Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.